So we're continuing in our study of Joseph. I mean, isn't that music epic? This is an epic story, the life of Joseph. But before I jump into the scriptures today, I want to ask you to think about what's in your hand. For some of you, it may be a pen. You're all ready to take notes. If you've got your hand in your pocket, maybe there's a quarter in there, or maybe you're a money clip person. You've got a big, fat money clip. Uh, might be a cup of coffee. Maybe for some of us it's nothing. You're not holding anything right now. Uh, maybe it's your Bible. But I, I want you to think about what's in your hand. And maybe not so much literally, especially if there's nothing in your hand right now, but as it relates to the things God has put in your hands. What's in your hand? Or in a sense, what has God given you? What has he allowed you to have? Part of the reason I ask this question is because we're talking about the year of the kingdom here at Plum Creek. Asking ourselves as a church and hopefully as individual Christ followers, how can we make the most impact for the kingdom this year? What can I do to move the kingdom forward for God? What can Christ do in my life to allow others to see him and his kingdom? What, what influence can I have? Helping people, sharing hope, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, making God's name famous in the world, both here around us and across the globe. Well, in Genesis 1, it says that God created the heavens and the earth. And then down in verse 26, God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. This is the passage where God gave dominion to human beings. We are responsible to rule over the earth on God's behalf. That is part of what it means to be made in the image of God. And here's what happened. It wasn't long before sin came into the world and our human nature became twisted. All of us are born into the, the world with this bent toward selfishness. This is a birth defect that we all share. Now the scriptures teach that we all have kingdoms. Every one of us has some little area of this world where we're in charge. We have certain possessions and there's territory and there's responsibilities and we are in charge. But this twisted nature of ours shows up early. Think about this for a minute. What's a two-year-old's favorite word? No. What's their, what's their second favorite word? Mine. See, it doesn't take long. That's the way this kingdom thing goes. So your kingdom is whatever you control in this world or influence. Now, some of you have kids, and I imagine you've taken trips in the car with your kids. Dick Alexander told this story when he preached here a few years back of when his kids were four and two and they were going on vacation. And he said uh, he, he put them in the back seat and he drew a line down the middle of the back seat and said, this is the demilitarized zone. I don't want to see any action in the DMZ. You understand? Don't touch each other. So they take off down the road, and he says they get about an hour down the road, and Dick's looking in the rearview mirror, and he sees a little two-year-old foot come over and kick the four-year-old brother. So he's looking in the rearview mirror, and the, little, the boy's clenching his teeth. And then he watches his little girl again with her two-year-old foot reach over and kick her little brother in the leg again. And he clenches his teeth even tighter, and he, he just can't hardly stand it. You see, the little boy knows that the 
older brother always gets in trouble. He always pays when he gets into it with his little sister. It's happened enough times that he knows he's the one who's going to get in trouble because he's the big brother. Now, for those of you who have little sisters, I don't even have to explain this at all. Little sisters are always annoying. So Dick's watching in the rearview mirror. The boy's gritting his teeth, and one more time, this little girl reaches her two-year-old foot over and bam, kicks him in the leg. And he couldn't take it anymore, and he hauls off and he pounds her. So Dick pulls the car over the side of the road, turns around and puts the fear of God into both of them because the car is dad's kingdom. That is where dad is supposed to have his way. Now you have a kingdom. There's a little slice of this world where you're in charge of some things. And God intends it to be that way. And he intends for you to use all of that for him, for his glory, and for others. But here's what happens. It gets junked up by sin. So kingdoms become places of personal power and rights. Governments, businesses, universities, they all abuse power. So it looks like this. There's this kingdom of earth that is all the systems of this world. So how's it going in the kingdom of the world as you see it? How many companies have it where people are as important as money? What about government agencies? How many politicians do you completely trust? How much good news is there in the news feed and on TV and the radio and the internet? Well, God's plan is like this. There is also a kingdom of God. In some places in Scripture, it's called the kingdom of heaven. And God's plan for the kingdom is this, that what's up there come down here. Your kingdom come. Your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Bring what's up there down here. So I want us to think about what's in our hands. What has God placed in your hands? You want to follow along in your Bible or on your Bible app? We're looking at Genesis chapter 41 today. Real quick recap. As we've been looking at the life of Joseph over the last four weeks, we've already learned some valuable lessons from God's Word as we see this incredible man who followed God and trusted in His promises and allowed God to use His life in beautiful ways so that God's love story could unfold for all people. No matter what you were going through, you can learn some things from Joseph. He went through more hardship than most of us would ever dream of. Rejected by his brothers, sold into slavery. Thrown into prison for years for a crime that he didn't commit. If you've been here for this whole series, I've got to congratulate you because we've been looking at one bad event after another. But Joseph also experienced a greater level of success than probably most of us could ever dream of. And that's where the story takes us today. Joseph is finally hitting the good times. So this morning we're looking at Genesis chapter 41. So let's dive in. Now when two full years had passed, wait a minute, what? So Joseph has been in prison for a crime he didn't commit. We, we learned last week he interpreted these dreams correctly and the guy who got to live, instead of having his head lifted off, 
He got to live and had his head lifted up and he was restored to his position. And Joseph said, when you are with Pharaoh, remember me. Mention me to him so that I can get out of here. Well, it seems that uh, this cupbearer got a two-year case of amnesia and he doesn't say anything to the king. So it says in verse 40 of chapter 40, I'm sorry, in the last verse of chapter 40, the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. So let's dive in, chapter 41, and I'm going to read quickly because we need a whole chapter here to get the picture. If it's helpful, feel free to shut your eyes and uh, just listen. But let's take in the story of Joseph. When two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing by the Nile when out of the river there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came, came up out of the Nile, and they stood beside those on the riverbank. And the cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the seven fat cows. Then Pharaoh woke up. He fell asleep again and had a second dream. Seven heads of grain, healthy and good, were growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads of grain sprouted, thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven healthy full heads. Then Pharaoh woke up. It had been a dream. In the morning, his mind was troubled, so he sent for all his magicians and wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I am reminded of my shortcomings. Pharaoh was once angry with his servants, and he imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream that same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. Now a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream. And things turned out exactly as he interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position, but the other man was impaled. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and no one can interpret it, but I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, In my dream I was standing on the bank of the Nile, when out of the river there came up seven cows, fat and sleek, and they grazed among the reeds. After them seven other cows came up, scrawny and very ugly and lean. I had never seen such ugly cows in all the land of Egypt. The lean, ugly cows came up and ate the seven fat cows that came up first, but even after they ate them, no one could tell they had done so. They looked just as ugly as before. Then I woke up. In my dream, I saw seven heads of grain, full and good, growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads sprouted, withered and thin and scorched by the east wind. And the thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven good heads. And I told this to the magicians, but none of them could interpret and explain it to me. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he's about to do. The seven good cows are seven years. And the seven good heads of grain are seven years. It is one and the same dream. The seven lean, ugly cows that came up afterward are seven years. And so are the worthless heads of grain that were scorched by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. It is just as I said to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he's about to do. 
Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt. The seven years of famine will follow them. All the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten, and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered because the famine that follows it will be so severe. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God, and God will do it soon. And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store them up under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials, so Pharaoh asked them, Can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and he put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and he put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot as his second in command and people shouted before him, Make way! Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then jumping down to verse 46, Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence and traveled throughout Egypt. During the seven years of abundance, the land produced plentifully. Joseph collected all the food produced in those seven years of abundance in Egypt, stored it in the cities. In each city, he put the food grown in the fields surrounding it. Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain like the sand of the sea. It was so much that he stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure. We jump down to 53. The seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end, and the seven years of famine began, just as Joseph had said. There was famine in all the other lands, but the whole land of Egypt, there was food. When all Egypt began to feel the famine, the people cried to Pharaoh for food. Then Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, go to Joseph and do what he tells you. When the famine had spread over the whole country, Joseph Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe throughout Egypt. And all the world came to Egypt to buy food from Joseph because the famine was severe everywhere. Isn't that incredible? God has taken Joseph through ups and downs, extreme ups and downs. This young shepherd boy who was mistreated and sold into slavery, but then blessed and brought into a high position in the home of Potiphar. And then he was put under this incredible sexual temptation by Potiphar's wife who came to him day after day and said, come to bed with me. And this young man refused. And finally, she grabbed his robe, and he ran away from her, leaving his robe behind, and he was thrown into prison for that, falsely accused and imprisoned for several years. After all that, here God has placed him in an incredible role where Joseph can make the name of the God of Israel known in all of Egypt. 
and in all of the world. It says, the Word of God says, the whole world came to Joseph to buy grain. Can you imagine how many times that incredible story of how God saved Egypt from the famine, how God fed the world, how God redeemed Joseph's own life from the pit, all in order to bring God glory, for him to get the credit and the glory, and for his name to be known. It it wasn't about Joseph, and it's not about us. Yes, God saved Joseph. Yes, God saves us, but that's not the end of the story. It's, it's so that God gets glory. It's in order that the nations will know how great God is and will come to worship Him. So I have a question for you. If God can take a boy like Joseph and allow him to become the second in command of all of Egypt, What can he do with you? What can he do with me? Let's make some observations and then let's find some practical steps that we can take now to make a difference right here in northern Kentucky, in the kingdom that God has allowed you to manage. You may not have the same dramatic story of Joseph, but you do have a story. You have had incredible ups and downs. Some highlights where you were on top of the world and things were going your way and and you were blessed. You were in the groove. And I imagine you've had some pretty low spots. Really low spots. Maybe you're even in one right now. But God has given you a kingdom. It may be exactly what you wanted, Or it may be that you feel kind of like you were dealt a bum hand in this life. But you have a kingdom. You are in charge of some things that God has put under your watch. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your land. Whatever it is, your kingdom, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to bring up there down here, that God's will would be done here in your life, in your kingdom, just like God's will is done in heaven. It's not just about you or your family or your business. It's all about the kingdom of God, making Him famous, making His great name known to everyone, both here and in every single tribe and tongue and nation around the globe. And we can impact all of that if we do our part in being faithful and obedient, just like Joseph. So here are four quick practical steps that I want to share. Number one, remember, it's all from God. Everything good in your life, absolutely everything, comes from God. That's true of wealth and success. Deuteronomy 8 tells us, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have Produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. But it's not just material success. Your life, your very life, every single breath is a gift from God. And most of all, we need to remember any goodness we have is not because of ourselves. 
The only reason God looks at any of us and calls us good or righteous is because you have taken on the goodness of Jesus when you gave your life to Him. Are you regularly remembering how much you owe to God? What's in your hand? It is only there because God has blessed you. Find practical ways to keep that truth in front of you. Post up verses like the ones we just read so you'll see them over and over and remember it's all from God. Here's the second action step. Whenever you're successful, give glory to God. Praise Him. Lift up His name and make it known. All I have is from God. I want to give Him the glory. I want other people to see Him because of what I have in my life. Number three, when you remember God's blessings, express your gratitude. Keep it always before you. Thank you, God. Thank you so much for what you have given, what you have allowed my life to be, who you have placed in my life, the things you have given me, this humble gratitude and appreciation and communicating your love and appreciation to God. Let's be grateful. And number four, use what you've been given. What's in your hand? Joseph was in the right place and had the right heart for God. He trusted God and he gave him his abilities. They were used for God's glory. And God's name became famous because of Joseph's faithfulness. What's God given you to use for his glory, to make his name known and famous in your kingdom? Moses had a staff, and God used it to make God's own name famous among the Israelites and among the Egyptians. David had a sling, and God used it to make God's name famous in Israel and to the Philistines. Joseph was a shepherd. His brothers hated him, sold him into slavery. He was a prisoner. But most of all, he was an obedient, faithful follower of God. So let's get really practical as we wrap things up and and let's think about what's in our hands. What has God given you? We may not have what other people have and we may wish at times we had other stuff and talents and abilities and possessions, but let's focus on what we've got. We are super rich. Every single one of you. I did a quick search on Google, how rich am I compared to the rest of the world? And I entered my income, me and Lori, two-person household, and it said my income was more than 16.7 times the median income of the world. There are only 1.8% of the world who are poorer, I'm sorry, who are richer than I am which means I'm richer than 98.2% of the rest of the world. I am so rich. 98.2% of the people in the world have less than I have. And so do I have something to use for the kingdom? I know the answer is yes. And I hope that can open our eyes to the possibility that God has blessed us with incredible wealth and an incredible opportunity to make His name known. We have so many resources that most people in the world will never have. God's blessed you with them. So please don't ever 
use the excuse, well, God hasn't really given me anything to use. What's in my hand? Will I use it for the kingdom? You can have incredible impact and influence for the kingdom. I think sometimes we may overthink our influence. You know, we we overanalyze it. Sometimes it's really just following the things that we know we should do. It's just simple things like making our walk with Christ part of our everyday conversation. It's not that hard. You don't have to go to school and pretend like you're a super evangelist or anything like that. You just have to have conversations that point to God and give Him glory. Talk about your friendship with Jesus. Talk about scriptures as you walk down the road. Bring bring them into stories and into our conversations. Invite those around you into relationship with your best friend, Jesus. Invite people to church. I mean, worship at the park, it can't get much easier than that. It's going to be a fun day. It's going to be a blast. We're praying for great weather. Hey, my church is having worship at the park. Would would you come with me on that Sunday? It's in two weeks. I mean, it's not that hard. Can we do it? Can, Can we use the resources God has given us and the influence that we have in our friendship, our circle? Can we just point people to our incredible God? It never seems like God said to anyone, well, you just don't have what it takes. You know, it's not like, you know, maybe we feel like excuses come up in us. Like, I'm not good at that. I don't really have anything. I'm I'm not. And I mean, it was the same way with Moses. He said, I don't speak well. But God said, what's in your hand? It was a staff. And God used Moses in incredible ways. And, and we don't have to say it's not good enough. What I have isn't fancy enough. It's not enough. I'm not enough. We just have to say, God, use me. Give me opportunities and help me speak for you. It never seems like God said, well, you just don't have what it takes. You're just not good enough. God is the creator of each of us. Do you think he didn't know what to give you? <laughs> he gave you exactly what he gave you because he wants you to be who you are. And you have Everything you need to give glory to God. So let's quit saying or even thinking, I'm not enough, I'm not good enough. God made you the way you are. Let's ask Him to let Him use us and show us how. There were places in God's Word where it was just a stick, like Moses with his staff, or maybe, you know, David and the slinging stone against a giant, or Abraham and his promises being fulfilled years later through this boy named Joseph. Abraham's son Isaac, Isaac who had Jacob, and then Jacob's 12 sons who sold the one into slavery, Joseph. And he got to tell the whole world how great God was because he got to sell the whole world grain. God has a story. And God can take what we have to be a part of that story. Let's use what we've got in our hands and be obedient. In Genesis 12, God promised Abraham, I will make you into a great nation. And it wasn't just for Abraham. He went on to say, and all the people of the world will be blessed through you. All the nations of the world will be blessed through you. And through Abraham's family, three generations later, Joseph is feeding the world and he is making God's name famous. Abraham's promise from God is being fulfilled. 
in order that God's name would be great. Joseph was just fulfilling his part in the kingdom, using what he'd been blessed with in order to be a blessing and give glory to God and make his name famous. So what are you doing? What am I doing? What has God given you? What's in your hand? Will you use it to bring his name glory and point people to him and his wonderful son, Jesus? No more excuses. No more glory for ourselves. Let's use it all for his glory. To make his name known. It's it's what we're here for. So I dare you to sign your name on the bottom of that bulletin today. And make a promise that you're going to do one thing this week to make God's name known. In your kingdom. Let us start there. And then let's just do it every week. Use what's our hand, what's in our hands. Then let's do it every day. Use what's in our hand and the tiny kingdom that we've been given in order to bless all people and make God's name famous because of who we are. Let's give God the glory and the worship He deserves. He is worthy. Would you pray with me? Father, may our lives be sold out to the purpose of making your name known. May we grasp the incredible blessing that you have given and you want to give. Your kingdom comes in us and then it flows through us. God, let your kingdom flow through me. Let your kingdom flow through the individual Christ followers in this room. Let your kingdom kingdom flow through Plum Creek and through the ministries and through the missions and throughout the world that we have contact with so that your name would be famous. We pray in Jesus' name.